Welcome to Grafted Branches and our podcast today where we love to talk about Jesus in the first century context he lived. As always, with me is my precious and very thoughtful wife, Deborah. Why, thank you. Hello, everyone. So, Drew, what are we going to talk about today in the podcast? I thought we'd do something a little different today. I thought it was a great time to answer for our listeners this question. What does it mean to be made in the image of God, or in Hebrew, Betazlem Elohim? You're referring to the story of creation in the first chapter of Genesis, where God creates man in his image, male and female. It seems to me that one of the problems that faces us today when we study the Bible is that the stories are too familiar to us. Think about it. No matter where you grew up, no matter what level of education you've had, You've studied, read, or heard the story of creation many, many times. Wouldn't you say we know the story too well for our own good? I think you're right. Um, I like the way the Bible teacher David Foreman puts it. When we know a story too well, we become easy prey to a syndrome that he calls the lullaby effect. Quote, the lullaby effect blocks our ability to ask or even to see the really important questions that the Bible begs us to ask of it. The lullaby effect anesthetizes us through the stupefying effects of familiarity. He's so right. Have we ever asked ourselves what the words of the old lullaby, rockabye baby on the treetop, actually mean? Most of us have heard this song since childhood. Imagine your sweet baby actually paying attention to the words you're singing. And when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come baby, cradle and all. I think your child would be wondering just what kind of parent you are. Well, I would think none of us would have put our children in a treetop, and yet we don't ask why the old lullaby has us doing such a thing. And for most, it's no different when it comes to Bible stories. How come we never ask why? We've simply heard the Bible stories too many times. They're a lot like the cradle in the treetop, just meaningless stories. It's easy to forget every Bible story was recorded for a purpose and not just to put us asleep. We must or maybe should ask ourselves these questions. Why was this recorded? What does God want me to know? Or what does he want me to learn from the lives of those who have gone before us? We need to be challenged today. Let's read through this story with fresh eyes and ask the questions that any intelligent reader would ask. Uh, If I were to ask our listeners what an image is, how do you think they would answer? The first thing that comes to mind is a photo or a sculpture or an illustration of something. An image to me is something which represents something else. A photo of a dog is not an actual dog, but a representation of a dog. A photo really only gives us a glimpse or memory of the moment it was taken. In the future, when we look at it, quite often we are flooded with the memories of the time when it was taken. That's a pretty good description of what an image is. Something which only represents some aspect of the object. It's not the object, it's an image or likeness of it. But let's take this a step further. Do you remember when we took our kids to the wax museum while on vacation? 
It was filled with life-size, realistic images of famous and historical people. A picture is just a two-dimensional thing. However, there we were, looking at what appeared to be real people. In fact, the Disney company took it one step further. By using animatronics, they made these full-size images move and talk. It was almost like watching and listening to the real people. Yes, I remember. And it was very interesting and fun to see these images of real people. But it really wasn't the same. We all knew they weren't real. They're just representations and not flesh and blood. So what does this have to do with God making humans in his image? As you clearly pointed out, no matter how good of an image we make of something, it's not the actual thing. They are only representations of the actual person or thing. For instance, when we see an image of President Abraham Lincoln, what is it that immediately makes us recognize him? I would say it's because most of our photos and statues show him with a beard, top hat, and distinct facial features. Without those things, we would probably never recognize him from an average person on the street. Yes, it's his unique features would help us recognize President Lincoln amongst the others in Disney's Hall of the Presidents. Of course, these famous words, four score and seven years ago, Our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. They're also part of his image. He wasn't just a face in an old photograph. He was a man who fought to unite our country. Images just aren't what we see. They're also what we do, what we're remembered for. Exactly. And that brings us back to creation and what it means to be made in God's image. Let's take a look at the story of creation and see if we can find the image of God. But before we do that, let's rewind a bit and see the context of Genesis, uh, the book of the beginnings. I think many Christians tend to either not know or understand until the Hebrew people left Egypt, they hadn't yet become a nation of people. There wasn't a Torah and therefore no book of Genesis explaining creation. Many of the people who followed Moses out of Egypt in slavery only knew the creation story of the gods of Egypt. To this day, monuments, images, and colossal statues to the Egyptian gods still stand in the desert's hands. You know, and then here comes Moses, who wrote down an explanation of creation, what we called Genesis. It goes against everything the priest of Egypt taught about creation of the earth and the creation of their gods. Surprisingly, like Moses' day, the Genesis story of creation is still revolutionary and counter to our modern culture. It is about a God who, outside of human explanation, created everything from nothing. By reading this story that we thought we knew so well, with fresh eyes, we begin to ask the questions that any intelligent reader should ask. Let's begin by rereading the story slowly and carefully from Genesis chapter 1. I'll read it for you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Notice here that there's no attempt to explain God. He is not a creation like the gods of Egypt. He just is. Next, 
Let's look at three key Hebrew words here, which are translated into English as formless, void, and darkness. In Hebrew, these are tohu, bohu, and chozek. They paint a very interesting picture. True. would you paint that canvas for our listeners? Certainly. First of all, the text doesn't say there was nothing in the sense we might understand it. Why is that? Well, our human minds cannot understand what nothing actually is. Because no matter where we are, there is always something. Even in darkness and the most distant parts of outer space, there is always something. The same applies to creation. Humans, in all our education and theory, can't fathom in the slightest way a pre-creation existence. So God explains it in a very simple way. Tohu, bohu, and chosek. And literally they mean chaotic, empty, and without light. An important word used here is tohu, and how it explains the state of pre-creation universe and how it was unorganized, chaotic, and without direction. Only God could take this chaos and bring light and order to it. Yes, creation is God's order, direction, and how he brings light to darkness. Unlike so many other creation stories where the gods are created, Genesis starts out in the beginning God created, and the Spirit of God moved over the waters. The very first word in the Torah slash Bible is Bereshit, and it literally means in the first. Of course, we translate it in the beginning. The very same uh, root word today is still used in Hebrew for being the first thing. For example, Sunday is Yom Rishon, day first, the first day of the week. The text tells us readers a statement of fact. And before we consider any story story or theory of creation, we have to know this. God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Only after grasping this singular idea can humans approach the question of how we came into existence and are made in his image. God's spirit was over this chaotic, empty, and dark universe. So what did God do? He created the world and universe we know by turning chaos into order and bringing light into darkness. This is absolutely essential for us to grasp. Everything is under God. We are the creation and not the creator. Some of our listeners may be thinking to themselves that this is all good and nice to know, but what does it mean to be made in his image? Yes, it's easy to rabbit trail off, but it's important to understand God isn't a creation, but is the creator. So let's review what we've covered so far. First, before there was anything, God was or is. Before creation, there was only chaos, emptiness, and darkness. God is over everything there is. Now here's the kicker in creation. God creates things and changes the chaos into an ordered world. Quote, God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed. So if somebody were reading the six days of creation the first time, what would they have learned about God? They would say, God is the creator. He makes things. Good. Hold that thought. Let's continue. 
God, looking at what he had made, said, Behold, it is very good. If you want to see what he's really saying, you need to abandon um, your English translation for a moment and look a bit more carefully at the original Hebrew. The Hebrew word we're focusing on is hine, and it is almost always translated as behold. But what's important to know about this word is it stresses what is coming. In this case, we have to notice God said what he made was very good. Now let's consider where Hine was previously used in the text. Just before God said what he created was very good, he said, Behold, Hine, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. I understand Hine is also used in the sense of here, as in, I'm handing or giving you something. Isn't it amazing when considering these two verses in this manner, we see a picture of God is literally giving something to his creation, not behold, like a superior instructing or commanding a lesser, but more like someone giving a valuable gift to another person. Here, I'm giving you all these great things to eat, and both you and they are very good. So God created everything and then gave also a blessing to humans. Do you see that blessing in the text? Yes, I do. Genesis 1.28 clearly says, God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he blessed, not burdened humans uh, to not only grow and spread across the world God created, but to rule over and manage all living things on it. Our listeners might be thinking about now, just how are humans to manage the earth and rule over every living thing? Bears are more powerful than people. So how did it come that people have bears in their zoos rather than bears having people in their zoos? (laughs) The answer is that over time, humans develop ideas and built tools such as spears, bows and arrows, guns, and cages. I know if I would happen to come across a bear on a lonely hiking trail, I am no match for a bear. Nevertheless, humans collectively manage to master bears. And this leads us to our first glimpse at what it means to be made in God's image. The blessing to rule over. However, there's a catch. Unlike where the Spirit of God moved over pre-creation, the instruction to rule over isn't the same word. When the Spirit of God was over, the word is a reference to position, as in being higher than the object. In the blessing from God, man is to rule is more like in and not in a position of dominance, as over would represent. The English translators chose over, I think because it simply makes it more understandable when read. Sadly, it leaves out the subtle nuances. It appears the text is saying, like God, humans are instructed to manage and rule among, not over, all living things. While it sounds like something we might hear these days from the eco-green groups, it's far more complicated than that. In fact, It's a bit frightening because every decision humans make, good or bad, has an effect on all the rest of living things God created. 
So getting back to being made in the image of God, besides ruling, God gave all the plants with seed as food for humans and all living things. What we have here are the raw materials for life. Without food, living things will die, and that brings us to the next glimpse. But first I'd like to paint a picture to help everybody understand this a bit better. On our kitchen counter, there are several jars filled with various types of flour, whole wheat, rye, oat, and white. There's also a jar filled with sourdough starter and a bowl. When we combine those ingredients, what happens? Mmm, by the end of the day, I smell this wonderful aroma coming from our oven. The sweet smell of freshly baked bread. It makes my mouth water just thinking about it. What really happened is we took the raw ingredients and put them together and made something better. Not only does it smell and taste better, it is also more nutritious and convenient than it was in its original state. But most of us never give a second thought to all the steps it took to produce and bring a bag of flour into our homes. So then our image is like this. We take raw materials and make them into something better. And it's something only humans are capable of doing. In this case, God gave humanity, made in his image, the ability, or what we call intellect, the raw materials, in this case seeds, to make something from them. It's essentially what God did in creation. Some might say animals are also capable of doing the same thing. They take raw materials like mud and sticks to make houses. For example, ants build mounds, birds nests, and even primates use rudimentary tools to feed themselves. We also know animals communicate in very simple ways amongst their own species. So what is the difference between us and them? Some scientists would say humans are just a higher, more advanced animal species. Of course, the elephant in the room is this. Humans share over 95% of our DNA with the animal world. So what makes us in the image of God and not the animal world? Humans dream. They design and make things far beyond any other living thing in this world. While making bread from grain is a seemingly simple thing, not one animal can do such a thing at the level humans do. Only humans found and took the raw materials given to us in creation, designing and making things like the ovens in which we cook our bread. Name one animal which can process the raw ore from the ground and build a machine which can fly across the world or into space. Even the ability to rule, make laws, and examine the ethics and morality of actions are all features only humans have the capability to do. Let's, let's begin to sum this up. God made mankind like him in some fundamental way. But how? We have bodies. God doesn't. So we don't really look like God in any way because God doesn't look like anything. In what way then are we made in his image? And how does the biblical text explain him? God is a being who is above it all, who takes a chaotic, empty, dark universe and creates a world in which he calls very good. Humans created in God's image are given rule over all living things, the ability to bring order to the chaos of the world. 
Mankind can take raw materials in their lowest, most base levels, bring order to them, making things like bread, clothing, shelter, cars, skyscrapers, space stations, and more. (laughs) Simply put, to be made in the image of God is to master the world around us and mold it to suit our liking in ways that the animal could never do. Should we not improve life, fill the needs of others, and bring light where darkness surrounds people? All of these things are what God did and something we can choose to do. I believe this is what it means to be His light in a dark world. Let's throw this out to our listeners. If humans are made in the image of God, what does the opposite look like? The simplest answer to this is a world filled with chaos, emptiness, darkness, and destruction. That's what the opposite of the image of God is. But Drew, isn't what makes us different from the animal world more than just our intellectual ability to take the raw materials God gave us and make our world better? If we're created in God's image, shouldn't we also be known by how we behave towards each other? In these volatile times, it's more important than ever that we, who say we love God and follow Jesus, reflect this image of our Creator. It starts with bringing peace and light to those we meet each day. I like what God says about Himself in Exodus 34, 6. I am compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth. The good news is, like God... We have the choice to live in His peace and by His rules for the road, something animals don't have. We can bring what is known in Hebrew as shalom to the world. I hope our listeners are beginning to grasp the idea of what it means to be made in God's image. Not only will it change how we perceive the world and people around us, but also how we treat them. If we made in God's image can make bread from seed and airplanes from ore, we also can be a reflection of God's character or image to others. We need to build a world in which justice, peace, and truth proliferate, a world in which we recognize and nurture the inherent worth, the Tzlem Elohim, or image of God, that's in others. I was truly amazed to learn what it means to be made in the image of God. It was there in the Bible all along, but we missed it. When man takes the raw material of the world around him and molds it, when he brings it into a higher states of being in accordance with his will, he imitates his heavenly creator, and he does it in a way that the animal world could never do. So the idea of the image of God, Salam Elohim, should spill over into our relationships as well. Each human being, like God, has a degree of free will and independence. We should treat others with kindness and respect because every human is created in the image of God, irrespective of race, level of intelligence, or degree of physical fitness. As President Lincoln said, A new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. It's a choice. It's that time again where we have to say goodbye to our listeners. 
As always, we'd like to encourage all of you to visit our website, graftedbranches.org, where you will find resources to help you begin to understand Jesus in his Hebraic first century context. Until our next podcast, always always remember remember this. this. (laughs) Get to know him, learn what he taught, and then go live it. Mm -hmm.